So this month we're talking about calling disciples. And the first thing I wanted to highlight for you is the fact that the disciples of Jesus began by pointing not to themselves, their good works, their lives and the benefits that they had enjoyed, but by pointing to Jesus. By saying the one who has been expected has come. The one who was promised has come. The one whom the world longed for and held bated breath for is here. And I want to tell you, my dear friends, that in today's 21st century society, there are many people who also need to hear that. There are many people who see Jesus as a distant faraway figure that is irrelevant to their lives. But yet they've got a God-shaped hole in their lives, a Jesus-shaped hole in their lives. And our role as people who are children of God and who know and understand the love of Jesus is to be able to not say, oh, hey, look, I've got it so good. Just look at my life. Instead, it is for us to say, look, at Jesus. Look at the one who is coming. It's interesting when you look at the language and the way how these things work, because in our passage today, they say, we have found the Messiah, the one who is come. And John then feels the need to translate that for us, doesn't he? He then says, that is the Christ. Now, we have this word Christ in our minds, and we already kind of know what it means and what it understands. For many of us, it means savior, shepherd, the one who loved us so much, he gave his life on the cross. On the cross, sorry. But the actual meaning of the word Christ, if you break it down, is actually oily one. That's right. Now you might be thinking, that's a strange Name? That's a strange thing. I want to share with you another one. Galaxy. What's, what's a galaxy? Stars up in the sky. Yeah, no, in the original it means pool of milk. Do you know why? Because milk is white. And in a world where very few things are white, <laughs> everything that is white is milk-like. Those of us who have done Bible translation or have been around Bible translators have heard that in other languages, they use the inside of the coconut. <laughs> so there are wonderful passages where it says, and I will be washed clean as snow. What happens if there is no snow in the Amazon? I will be washed clean as the inside of the coconut. You laugh and rightly so. For you, that sounds very funny, but... For an indigenous person who doesn't see white in the world naturally, that could be very significant. That could be very meaningful. For the early disciples, they sought, pardon me, the oily one. Because that oil was an oil of anointing. It was an oil marking that this was the one that God had brought about, that God had marked and had set aside 
One who walked in the footsteps of King David, the first Messiah. Why? Because he had been anointed with, tell me. So that's why he was the only one. And in their ears, that meant king. That meant promised one. That meant savior. While it may not have been something that for us was extremely relevant, for them, it was a big Big deal. Have you heard the expression, the MVP? Some of us will be looking for that tonight. (laughs) Most valuable player, that's what it stands for. I was playing video games with my kids this week. And it turns out that I am the goat of the particular game that we play. That's it. (laughs) Greatest of all time. So you can see how some of these terms don't <coughs> translate well. Um, <laughs> but when we break down into it and we understand it, we can begin to get into the importance of these things. And dear friends, that is what discipleship is all about. It's helping others who look at these things and perhaps think, That's not for me. That may not be that relevant. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And for us to open it and unpack it and be able to share it with them. Are you with me, church? And I know many of you already do this naturally, beautifully, in whatever context you find yourselves. Whether it is in your family, with your friends, with your church community, in the aged care setting, in the hospital setting, with the Brazilians... I'm hoping that today is an opportunity for me to encourage you further in that and for God to continue to open those doors for you. So we're going to pray and ask him to speak to us and be with us as we open his word and learn about discipleship. Father, we praise you that you are here. We praise you that you speak to us. We praise you that you unpack these things for us that we may not fully understand. And we ask you, Lord God, that you speak to us And help us carry it forward into the mission field you have called each and every one of us to. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the passage in John that I really wanted to highlight for you is this one. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Do you remember what John had said? I love it. John is there. Stuff. <laughs> John is there and he is teaching and then he sees Jesus and he says, look, here comes the Lamb of God. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus, sorry, let me start again. John's teaching was not as important as seeing Jesus in the flesh. Pastors, take note. <laughs> The teaching is not as important as that moment of absolute clarity where Jesus walks in, where the Lamb of God steps up and walks in. And so they had heard and they followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. I told you before, Messiah means oily one. The one who's been anointed with. And this is important 
because it triggered something in Peter. Okay? Jesus saw his, Andrew's brother, Simon, and he said, you will be changed from this moment that you have seen him. This is the next step in discipleship, my friends. We see it a few times in Scripture. People's names are literally changed. Their character is changed. They are impacted by that moment of seeing the oily one, of seeing Christ. Why? Because they are now stepping into a new space, a new citizenship. Are you with me? Jesus He is the oily one because it means he was anointed with. David was anointed with. And that made him a king. That gave him the right to reign. It wasn't hereditary. It wasn't because he belonged to a special line and a special family. No, it was because he had been promised and then marked for that promise with what? So when we talk about the Christ, we are talking about that mark. We're talking about that promise. We're talking about that wonderful moment in which that promise was fulfilled. This is why Andrew didn't need to say anything else to Simon. All he said was, we have found the Messiah. We have found the promised one. We have found the Christ. And John the Evangelist wants us to experience that moment as well. He wants those of us who have understood the meaning of Christ to read this and go, ah, that's what he means. That's what he's saying. I looked for many passages that talked about how to preach this in cultures and societies that perhaps don't have a similar role. And I was dumbfounded. I, I couldn't find any way. And I thought to myself, this is, this is a really hard thing to explain. And then it struck me what I believe God was trying to tell me in that moment. Esteban, listen. This is why the church is being so affected nowadays. This is why we are struggling with our evangelism. This is why we are struggling with our relevancy. Because we are failing to demonstrate the relevant contemporary Christ who is promised and set to reign. But his kingdom is not a physical one. It's a spiritual one, yes? And in that, our citizenship has to change as well. To be spiritual citizens... Of a kingdom led by one who proclaims love, justice, faithfulness, and freedom. So I shared with you before this word, Mashiach, Messiah, Christos in the Greek, or Christos. Anointed one, smeared or rubbed with oil. This tradition was not limited to just the people of Israel and the conference of the sanctity of a king. We saw it with Saul, we saw it with David, and then with his descendants. It was also something 
that existed in the pagan world. And the priests were anointed with oil. Now, I want to highlight two different kinds of anointing here. And I want you to reflect on that in our contemporary setting. Because the reason why they were anointed with oil was primarily, primarily, commentators disagree on this, but primarily, the majority of them say it's because oil was expensive. <laughs> That's why. It was a hard, laborious process to get the oil from the olive plant. And as such, they wanted this badge of office to be something that demonstrated the prestige, the elitism, the preference of this role. Last month, we were looking at Judges. And in the book of Judges, we find that oil was abundant in Israel. That God had given the people of Israel land with vines and olive trees and fig trees. That God's provision had taken this thing which was set aside for the elite and had made it something that every person, should they put in the effort, could have access to. And this reflects our anointing as well, dear friends. Because while we might like to say that, yes, you know, you should definitely study the word and you should definitely commit yourself to understanding God's uh, calling on your life. We also need to understand that God's anointing for each and every one of us is freely given. And it is something that we can take forward. It is not for just an elite particular set group of people. But it is for every one of us. And as we explore more about the stories of the disciples, we will see more of that. We will see Jesus going to sinners and making them disciples. We will see Jesus going to the outcasts of society and then elevating them to the place where they become spiritual leaders and whose words we repeat and cite to this day. In Isaiah we see an example of how this promised one was expected. And this is one of the passages we know from the book of Luke. Jesus reads from the scroll of Isaiah. They loved reading from Isaiah in the time of Jesus. So they knew it. And I would wager that they knew this passage. Isaiah says, give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not. And nations you do not know will come running to you because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. David was the youngest brother. Nathan walked past great, strong men representing all that was wonderful and amazing about Israel. And then he came and the Spirit had not yet told him whom to anoint. And Jesse said, my youngest is still out in the fields among the sheep. 
Sometimes those of us who are the least privileged, the least looked upon, are the ones that God favors most. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Let's not think that we are unworthy of that anointing to bear the message of Christ where we go. Let us instead be prepared, even if we are out among the sheep, to be marked with that oil of anointing. I want to conclude with this passage from the book of Romans. It's found in Eugene Peterson's The Message, which is a contemporary translation, and I've, I've paraphrased it slightly here for purposes of time. Here Paul says, I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul was of the elite in his society. He was a Pharisee, a student of God's law. And yet in the name of that, he committed atrocities. He persecuted the believers. He was even responsible for some of their deaths. He was up here in society but spiritually down here. That's when he was trying to work hard to please God, thinking that he knew, thinking that he understood. The bit that I've left out there is where he suddenly comes to that realization, no, I shouldn't have done that. What I should have done is actually listen to God, identified myself with him. And in that, that prestigious fellow that held all of the right and all of the, the prestige and all of the elitism in his society had to be crucified. And then God's light would shine through Paul for thousands of years. I think that's amazing, don't you? Let's not discount our own efforts. What we do Let us remember that the Christ that lives in us is greater than we and that he is capable of such great things. I invite you to bow your heads with me as we conclude this time in prayer. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you call us to be your disciples. Continue to lead us by your grace. Continue to equip us in your name and help us, Father God, Go forth into this community and share your love, whether it be with words or deeds. Father God, let it not be in our strength but yours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.